Hey there, this is Laura. I wanted to pop in to give you an update. This episode was recorded prior to our rebranding. What was once the Read It With Whiskey podcast is now work in progress, the Laura J Live podcast. This episode reflects that traditional Read It With Whiskey format and may have information and content that has since expired or changed. Please visit laurajlive.com for more information. Enjoy the episode. Are you an author who has always dreamed of turning their book into an audiobook? Quixotic Bell Media is the audiobook podcast production company for you. They specialize in helping authors turn their books into an episodic audiobook podcast, releasing one to three chapters of their book each week. The episodic format will pull in new readers, help you grow your author brand and business, and QBM even offers help with audiobook launch strategies and monetizing your podcast. With Quixotic Bell Media, you record the audio and let them do the rest. You can finally start your podcast and audiobook without raising a finger to the logistics or time-intensive tasks. This means you'll be able to get back to what's important in your author business, your writing. So if you're interested in working with QBM, visit www.quixoticbellmedia.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Read It With Whiskey. My name is Laura Gentinen and I am your host. And in today's episode, we are talking with J.P. McDonald, the author of The Invisible Tether. And you guys, this interview is so much fun. We get into so many good nitty gritty details. But first, let me tell you a little bit about J.P. J.P. lives in Western Sydney with his wife and daughter, one dog with back issues, another with anxiety issues, and another who is an escape artist, attempting to flee from their constant love, affection, and security. Before inking stories, J.P. focused on writing songs for the melancholy masses, and in complete contrast, also developed vibrant and catchy children's songs. He has worked in education, human resources, business development, and communications, but is often dreaming of otherworldly adventures and experiences. You can find him trying to emulate chefs on the Food Channel, planting native bush foods in his backyard, and chasing the sun through rivers and national park trails. I just love that blurb. It's so much fun. (laughs) Why can't we all have exciting blurbs like that? All right, so before we dive into the interview with JP, here is what the invisible tether is all about. In the beginning, humans created them in their image. The right to Earth's throne is now anyone's for the taking. Cooper Belrose and his friends gear up for a sporting tournament in tropical North Queensland, Australia, for a week of carefree fun. In an unnerving twist of fate, a cryptic flight attendant hijacks the plane, altering their lives forever. After surviving the plane crash, Cooper and his friends learn the flight attendant was part of a much larger threat not only to their existence, but to the entire human race. In their desperation to return home and find answers, they discover abnormal abilities within themselves activated by the crash and the threat of an opposing force. Will these newfound forces wield an edge over their enemies? As they strive to combat each twist and turn, Cooper and his friends learn the value of teamwork by navigating the space between life and death. If faced with an imminent threat to the human race, would you and your friends take up the fight? The Invisible Tether is a story of love, adventure, and the pursuit of truth. This book was so much fun, and I really liked the kind of twists and turns that came throughout the story. You find out that it's so much more sci-fi than it seems at the very beginning, 
And oh, I just can't wait to dive into this interview. So without further ado, let's do just that. Welcome to Read It With Whiskey, the interview podcast featuring science fiction and fantasy authors. My name is Laura Gentinen, your host and the author of the Shockwave series. I am also a book club moderator, speaker, and avid reader, truly invested in every author's story. Within this podcast, I bring to you, the reader, all the behind the scenes secrets to how these guest indie authors bring their books into the world. If you are a sci-fi fantasy reader, then you need to hear from these authors. Let's learn about the person behind the page. Sit back, sip some whiskey, and lean in to these self-published authors. Really quickly, I want to give you an episode update. All Laura J. Live update content will now be exclusively given to our Patreon members. This segment will no longer be featured in these public episodes on your favorite podcasting platform. However, you can gain access to this content by visiting www.patreon.com slash readitwithwhiskey. Now, let's get on to the episode. Hello, JP, and welcome to Read It With Whiskey. And how is your evening going? It's like 11 o'clock at night there, 7 a.m. here. <laughs> how you doing? Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely party time right now. So yeah, just kicking back really. The, do- the dogs are on the bed there um, in sleep mode. And um, I, I made sure I'd made some sort of a whiskey cocktail just to kind of, uh, you know, keep me fresh for the whiskey, whiskey podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I know I wish I could be having whiskey with you, but I am drinking my coffee as it is bright and early over here in the States. So tell our listeners, um, they're probably like, what's going on here? Who is this person? So fill them in. Who are you? You're over in Australia, so you can talk a little bit about that too. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little old uh, indie author um, coming in hot with a, a new little sci-fi adventure action story. I, I really, I guess, have been twiddling my thumbs over the last 10 to 15 years with the story in general and um, have gone on and off with um, with writing for a long time and prioritizing music and other different creative projects but finally pulled the finger out um, this this year uh, sorry last year and just made sure I I pushed through with it so um, yeah living in living in western Sydney you know with, with the fam three dogs a daughter and a wife and then um, just trying to to get some of those creative juices flowing um, at you know, 11 o'clock at night, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yes, I'm really excited to talk to you about your book, The Invisible Tether. And you kind of talked about it a little bit already that you've had these creative juices flowing for a decade now. So what was it that motivated to you to say, okay, now is the time to finally publish this book? Yeah, it was It was just, you know, I'd, I'd had those those thoughts over a long period of time now, but, you know, it's, it's often a lot of people have these thoughts but it's really just putting it into um to practice is the difficult part um, and finding that final part of motivation um to get out in the world so um a couple of things you know the the worries the anxieties of of maybe not being decent enough to to have it liked or respected in the field is always something that is a difficulty to combat but yeah, I, I went to a couple of writers festivals and one of them in particular was just listening to an author who I'd never heard of before. Her name's Catherine Barker. And 
just what she had to say about the writing process, what she had to say about the fact that, you know, and, and it's probably a, a cliched saying within the field, but like everyone has a story or everyone has mm -hmm. a voice and it needs in some way or another, like it should be heard or it should be get out there. And, you know, sitting in the audience like that, it was just like she was speaking to me. That's what I needed to hear at the time. And then I made sure that I, I took that and I didn't just, you know, sit or dwell on it like I had been for a long amount of time. I just thought, okay, this is it. Um, I'm going to make sure that I make this happen. And luckily I did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've heard that too. Everyone has a story and that, that helped me push to get my first book out too. And so I think it's, it's a common strength throughout, especially through the indie world, because a lot of mm. indies, originally they go in thinking, oh, you have to get a traditional publisher. That's not always the case. You can go out and publish yourself. And you did exactly that. So what was the reason that you decided self-publishing over the traditional route? Yeah, this is something that I've heard throughout a fair few, a common thread throughout the fair, fair few different episodes. But yeah, it's, it's definitely that um, that control piece is, is one of them. Uh, being the fact that this was a story that I had for such a long time. Um, it doesn't really fit into a genre, you know, in, in any particular perfect way. Um, and it also is not something that I would deem as being popular at the moment. Um, so, you know, it, it's something that maybe a little bit further down the track, it, it just would have taken a long time to get to the the point where traditional publishers or agents might say oh yeah I'm willing to to have a look at this um so yeah I just wanted to make sure that it happened I I wanted to to test the market and see and you know com confirm either the worries that I was having the anxieties or um confirm that you know what yeah you can actually write and maybe you should you know put more effort into this over the next couple of years so or the rest of your life <laughs> so yeah like that I guess that's a, a little bit of a reason and then you know just to narrow down on some of those anxieties mentioned before it is difficult being like a you know a, a sensitive muso type to be able to withstand the the rejection after rejection as well um so I guess like in a way I'm shielding myself from potential <laughs> heartbreak and having to write like three albums worth worth of me crying that I I can't get an agent or something <laughs> so <laughs> uh, yeah that's, yeah that's one of the a couple of the reasons yeah that's that's something I hear a lot if you go the traditional route because that's that's another common thread is that a lot of people don't necessarily choose self-publishing but they're forced into it because they can't get that traditional deal and yeah there's a lot of heartbreak there's a lot of rejection and I mean I've heard of so many people even big huge authors who've been rejected over and over and over like JK Rowling with Harry Potter so many rejections there and yeah I'm I'm the same way as you I could not handle that much rejection either <laughs> and I also like the control yeah there's a cap of rejection I think it's just I think it was early, early days when like I might've gotten even just four or five. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just got my tissue box <laughs> and probably eight, eight ice cream um, buckets and just had a go. But yeah, there's, there's a cap. Everyone has a cap. And, um, you know, I, I think I'm just, I'm glad that, and you would feel the same way. Like, I'm glad that I was able to kind of get through this and, and it's such a good learning curve as well. Like for, you as a writer because you're involved in every part of the process and 
I think, you know, regardless of whatever happens in the future, it's so important for development to be able to go down that route, I think. So yeah, I think we're, uh, we're lucky in a sense. And you actually mentioned a little bit with your music career. So tell us a little bit more about what you do full time and dive into that, the poetry and music side of, of your life. The um, when you said career, I nearly burst out laughing because um, <laughs> it's, not, it's I wouldn't call it that. Maybe a hobby these days. In the in the past, um, I did a little bit of you know was a music teacher at, at high school, and uh, again, like a common thread listening to to some people as well. Um, sometimes when you have the creative aspect that is you know fused with what you do for for a living it can get a little bit like you lose that passion and you lose um your own path in that in that regard and I think that kind of happened to me where I was you know and this is it's great to lend your creativity lend your knowledge and prowess um on instruments and and whatever your field is to other people but then it definitely detracts from what you can produce as well so when I left when I left teaching, I sort of moved into HR and recruitment, that side of things. It definitely opened up another, you know, level to my create creativity. And I was able to work on self-production as well. Just so basically like I'm a multi-instrumentalist. So I do everything myself to so drums, guitar, bass, sing, you know, the whole thing and then put it all together and release it on Spotify and iTunes and stuff like that. So, and like you're saying, career, like I, I just do it now because, you know, I've I gotten to a stage where I'm too old to be chasing that dream um, of, you know, playing at Madison Square Gardens, um, <laughs> you know, people screaming my name, that ain't gonna happen. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, I'm just cool with, you know, putting together um, songs that I like um, that help me with self-expression and creativity uh, put it out in the world if people like it people like it and, and I guess like in in you know bringing that or linking that into write the writing world it's really helped with that mentality of being able to go well not everyone's going to dig this and it is what it is and you know some people will and some people will play it on repeat or read it <laughs> read it a couple of times and then other people might just read a couple of pages and toss it um, <laughs> but you know yeah, I think that's been really helpful in that regard. It's something that I didn't particularly understand, you know, recognize that it might have been helpful, but it, it has been. So, yeah, I guess if people want, so if, if your readers like a bit of, you know, music every now and then, I just do pop rock and I do it under the moniker of Jason M. So J A Y S O N M. And that's the Spotify and iTunes. And then if you've got kids and like, you know, Wiggles vibes, I do kids songs as well under Mr. ABC. So, um, and that was like for my daughter, it was just a, a sort of passion project that, you know, she was getting into music even at a young age and enjoying the Wiggles. And I thought, well, I'll put together some songs like for her that I can see will help with her development and just, you know, a, a moment or a several moments that we could share together. And I think that's, you know the great thing about music and creativity and writing it all is that you can help essentially the story or the project helps you create a different story with someone else and you know we wouldn't be having this conversation and making this connection if i wasn't able to write the story so it, it's great how it opens up different paths 
that was actually going to be one of my questions is how has your music career or your poetry writing influenced your writing? Because I know that throughout the book, I would be reading it and I would say, wow, this is very poetic on certain sentences or how a paragraph was phrased. Yeah, it's just, it's just written in a very poetic way. And I was doing some research and I was like, well, that makes sense because he writes songs and poetry. <laughs> and so it definitely translates into your writing. And so tell us a little bit about that and how it, or if your poetry songwriting influenced how you wrote your book. I haven't even, to be honest, like this is the first time that that's, that kind of idea has come up, like in, in terms of the, I don't know, the lyrical nature of maybe some of the, the phrasing and whatnot. But I think in general, I don't know if it's the music that is particularly influencing on the writing. Um, I think creativity in general and to find pieces of the puzzle and bringing them all together I, I guess that's more of a structural thing um and and sometimes a pacing thing and that is important mm. in a song too because like you know basically these days you want some sort of pop pop rock song and something to be somewhat listenable you can't just have a six minute epic you know those days are gone because our attention spans are <laughs> a little bit um whack um so so basically pacing wise like that that i guess um has helped influence the writing um what what i found the, the relationship between um lyrics poetry and i like phrases that give you a little bit of something to think about and it helps you contemplate like things within your own being and within your own life and direction and that happened a lot with songs like I, I used to when I was 14, 15 and listening to Slipknot and all those angsty, angsty bands. They had such deep and meaningful quotes, um, lyrical, lyrical quotes that you could basically, you know, probably tattoo on an arm and live your life by, even though it doesn't, like for someone that doesn't maybe listen to metal or, or heavier music people might be like, oh, all they do is scream. But then there's so much depth um, and emotion behind what they what they talk about. So yeah, like I think if I was to see an influence like way back when, that might've been it where I want something to be, I don't know, quite worthy, but then I want someone to to recognize the beauty in, in a simple sentence or a simple phrase. And, you know, some of the feedback people often don't like that about the book and some people do because I mean this is the thing that you know you're never going to please everyone mm -hmm. but I think how I like it and how I've grown in that creative space I think it's just the way that my voice is and I'm okay with being a little bit different in that sci-fi space or sci-fi genre and being a little bit deeper and being a little bit more I guess encouraging that intrinsic exploration of people's own psyche or or emotions and what they're feeling at that time so that's a long-winded way of saying like um yes music and um the depth of of the emotion within music and lyrics um has been able to influence your writing very cool yeah and i i liked that there was the poetry i mean i don't know if you i don't know if i should label it as poetry within the book but it was like the lyrical kind of feel to it and very descriptive. And there was a lot of like metaphors on how you can kind of interpret what you're seeing. And I think that was 
kind of why I thought more that it was more lyrical or poetic. And we've been skirting around the topic of the book this whole time. So <laughs> The Invisible Tether, tell us, tell our listeners, what is this book all about? I'll try and give a, a non-spoilery and a simple explanation, but <laughs> it's basically a bunch of friends who are at university around that sort of age and they're just wanting to to go on a little bit of a trip um, for a sporting tournament so they're all on the same um but they're all on the same mixed netball team and they go on a plane um and then all of a sudden the plane is hijacked by a being of some kind and um, they basically get into a into a battle for the the throne of humanity in some way so you know they a couple of things happen on the plane where some innate abilities or special abilities are activated and and it gives them the uh, it gives them the added enhancement to be able to to possibly take these guys down and to make sure that humanity and the world or earth is is safe from doom <laughs> <laughs> i love that yeah and they it jumps right in and it is fast paced. And I, I follow you on social media. And that was something that you actually talked about in one of your reels was that this is a very fast paced adventure story about these friends, totally crazy circumstances, crashing a plane, trying to fight for survival while also running from these people that they don't really know everything about. And so it's, it's very entertaining and I just liked all the twists and turns and especially the characters too. So let's talk a little bit about the characters. I mean, there's a lot of them. There is the, uh, what is, what are they called? Evil 11? Is that what it's called? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so the <laughs> evil 11, that's a lot of characters to put into a book. I loved it because, I mean, I got to know all the characters individually, which was really cool. But then you also get to learn about their relationships and what type of people they are and how they can be a cohesive unit together. So tell us a little bit, maybe just about who your favorite character is and why they're your favorite character. Ooh, okay. That's um, probably tough I, to answer. <laughs> it is indeed. Um, I'll tell you a little bit, I, I guess I'll caveat with that, with that question and tell you why maybe I shouldn't name the, my favorite character. Um, <laughs> But I'll just I'll do a little bit on what you just like. There's so many as a writer as well. So if you've got your writers that are listening to this, it's it's so difficult. Like you guys would all know, like to to be able to give, especially if you have such a wide cast, everyone the the time of day that they deserve or the spotlight that they deserve, especially in a like a standalone book. So that was a difficulty, and it's something that as writers maybe think about before you go and do 11, 11 characters. <laughs> um, but you know whatever it worked out in the end because it it had a wide representation of different people that I've come across in my life so es essentially like all the characters are all people that I've grown up with in my life at some stage so I'm Cooper the main character so and this is something again that probably like you know when I was younger it's it felt like easier to write people that I knew. Mm -hmm. um, and then now when I'm writing the, the other couple of books that I'm doing now, um, it's a lot, I find it easier to separate yourself and then just to make up people. It's so much easier. I don't know why I thought that was better <laughs> back in the day or why I was no, I was worthy of a main character. <laughs> like, but anyway, so, so yeah, there's a lot of different people from my life. Um, so it's like, 
you know, I'm paying homage to all the different relationships that I've had back in the day um, that I still carry, carry with me now. And then even some other people like, like Mia in the book, like Casey, I don't speak to, I, I haven't spoken to them in 10 years. So they're, they're people that even though like the, the essence of who they are there, um, as I went on with the book, I probably, a lot of them is the creation of who, it's just a creation. Like I, I dragged a little bit out of them that you know, might not be part of their personality at the moment. So I think basically, you know, I will answer your question in the end. I, I think what <laughs> ended up happening is Casey ended up being really dear to me for some reason. And I didn't realize that she was. In fact, in a lot of the first drafts that I wrote, she was just, and you know, keep in mind, this was like 10 to 15 years ago. So, and I was younger, but she was stereotypical blonde girl. And I just went with the whole, you know, maybe her intelligence is somewhat lacking because mm -hmm. of, of that stereotype. But then people who read the book will see that, um, yes, that might come across right at the start, but then as you go through the book, there's so much more depth to her and the way in which she interacts with everyone else that makes, uh, makes it really important to highlight the fact that, well, yeah, we can judge people and what they look like, but then it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they need to be a brain surgeon to be respected within society. Mm -hmm. There's so much more of what they can bring to a group situation that is so important. So mm -hmm. th that's, a, again, a long-winded way to say that <laughs> Casey's the way to go with that one. No, I really liked Casey too. She was uh, one of my favorites out of all of them. And I mean, I loved Cooper, who's the main character. Sometimes he kind of pissed me off, you know, like all main characters should. <laughs> but I think that's important too, to, to have that struggle as a reader where you're like, okay, you should be doing this, not that. And yeah. I know for me personally, when I'm writing, my main characters will do things and I'm like, I hate you right now. Like, I just want to kill you off. But the main character, you can't kill them off. <laughs> yeah. so who, who, who do you reckon you you like sorry that I'm like throwing it around um it's not my podcast but um who who did you vibe with probably the most like out of your experience oh I mean I liked the majority of the characters I, I really connected with I think um I related a little bit to Nikki in towards the end we mm. won't make spoilers happen I think a scene with her really resonated with me just because of some past hurts in my own life. Um, and so she, I really resonated towards the end. Uh, but Casey, I really liked throughout. I think she was one of my, one of my main characters who I was like, oh, yay, another scene with her. And then I really liked Mia too, even though there's a few things where I'm like still left wondering about her, but I mm -hmm. like that I don't know everything about her. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Okay, so we talked a little bit about characters, um, a little bit about relationships. And again, I just really liked that each of the characters had a relationship with our main character. And I think, I mean, we talked about Casey already, but her and Cooper's relationship was really, really beautiful, just how it was laid out and how everything went. So, I mean, you already talked about some of these people being, or all of them being related to you from your past. Do you want to dive in a little bit more on any specific characters and are you friends with any of these people? Let's put it that way. Are you friends with some of these people still? Yeah. 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 So, so basically Zach in the book is my, like, he's my best friend. So he's, he's my best friend in the book. And, you know, I guess like what happens in general, as you get older, 
you know, the expectations around adult life change. And so, mm. you know, you have, you also have to grow and change at, with friendships too. So um, I've been lucky enough that he has been understanding in, um, in the way that I've grown, which is often like, I'm the worst person to text and call back. And <laughs> I just, it just doesn't happen for me. Like I'll see their name pop up while I'm in the car. I'll be like, yeah, sweet. I'll get you. I'll get you when I get back home. And basically it never ever happens so <laughs> like he, he's just really understanding of my flaws and you know and um and that's what good friends really need to need to be understanding of um I guess uh, to kind of grow with you and to understand your pitfalls and and to also you know pump you up when you have those successes so he's he's really one of those those guys that is that for me and in the book, like he almost becomes, I guess, like a comedic little grump, uh, <laughs> like because of all the, you know, the things that he gets upset about, angry about, his foul mouth, and you know, all that stuff. Like this is the thing. A lot of our conversation. So me, Jared, um, is his real name, and PJ, who is a real person as well. And it, it was normally a trio with us, and all that banter that's in the book that that's that could be transcribed from what we used to do when we were 20 odd and that that's why like you know I think I I really liked being able to read back on that and just relive some of those moments and I know when I've given it to Jared and PJ um, Gus is a real person as well and he's read all the stuff and um, they're all saying like it's just so nice to kind of go back there and I think rather than it just being about me, I think that other people also could resonate with that time in their lives where like, mm -hmm. you know, there, there were those moments where you were a little bit more foul-mouthed and you were a little bit more bantery and jokey and would, would play all these stupid pranks on, on people. And then now when, you th when I'm 30, I'll, I'll look back on all the stuff that PJ used to do. And then like <laughs> he legitimately used to do things like that. I look back on things like that and I go, damn, man, like you, <laughs> you look something else. And then that's what he agrees too. Like when he's read part of the book, he's like, oh, I just I can hardly read this anymore without thinking like I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> but no, it's, it's preserved a part of your past. And I think that's really cool because now, like you said, you can go back and read it and and remember those times. And it's really cool that your friends read your work too. Has all of do all of the people know that they're in your book? Um, so, like I said before, Mia, I haven't spoken to right. in a long time, so she wouldn't. I've tried. I've reached out to Dash. Dash is one of those friends. Like I know we all probably have them. Where it might be like you know two years since you've spoken to them, but you see them or you speak to them, and it's like. Mm -hmm. nothing ever happened he's one of those guys so you know when I was you know thinking of putting the book out I was going to use his image and all the character art I was like hey dude I'm just like checking like you're all good with this stuff he's like wow you're actually releasing it because you know back when what 10 years ago I sent him a, a manuscript so he could read through it so um he's seen it come on a, a very large journey if not he, he's one of the only ones that has I'm um, seeing it from that that perspective so so yeah like and when he finished it sent me such a, a lovely text like I'm so proud of you this has helped oh. me to be like inspire me to do something else in my life that I've maybe been putting up like all of this stuff is just 
it's just, yeah, I don't know. They've been really sweet about it. Um, but yeah, there are a couple like Nikki, Nikki hasn't, doesn't know, uh, maybe Danny doesn't know either. So that, yeah, there's a couple of people that um, I might not have told just because like, we're not, you know, it's not like Jared or PJ where I can just, Mm -hmm. yeah hey bro <laughs> you know um, I've, d I've dumped a book go grab one like right. it's not as that yeah yeah and maybe one day they will come across it and they'll message you and be like hey JP did you put me in a book like is that what happened <laughs> um, whoops yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so much fun Okay, so we've talked a little bit about the books, a little bit the characters, but I would like for you to tell our listeners a little bit more of the magic or superpower building that you had to go through for this book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting question. Like, and I think this is this would be good for readers, uh, sorry, listeners, and um, who are writers and or who are, you know, thinking about writing some stuff to hear about as well. In the sense that, like. You know, I've got no degree in writing. I've come from 10 years in somewhat of the wilderness where I might go on a little bit of a hike and then come back in the writing wilderness, sorry. Um, <laughs> and to make that metaphor make sense. Um, so basically it's something that like I didn't particularly understand was a specific process like magic building, yeah, magic systems and, and world building and all, all of that came to me a little bit later on in the process when I was really knuckling down on writers festivals and and learning workshops and things like that so the the bones of it was definitely constructed without any of that knowledge which is also you know some, something to give a little bit of props to just reading and learning mm -hmm. from reading all the different stories and and even tv like tv series how they how they pace things and how they uh, further a story. So anyway, that's just one little part of it. Um, so in general, I started the super superpower thing and it was just like, I really liked the idea of, of heroes and superpowers and, and building something that um, will give them strength against these enemies. Mm -hmm. um, but originally I just put it in there. I just, <laughs> I was like, yeah, they just, because of this, they came up, they came out of the crash and they had all these powers. And I think how my mind was going, it was like like a fate field thing or is it even like a divine a divinity, a divine presence maybe that bestowed these gifts upon them. But none of that was ever really explained. And it was something that like, it was my wife basically picked it up. She was like, why? Like what? <laughs> they She's very logical, right? So. Mm -hmm she was really good for those moments where it was like but yeah okay cool they have superpowers but like how do they get them what was the whole thing so um in a way I had to kind of go back and um make it make sense within the genre so being in sci-fi at some point I thought okay well something somewhat scientific and it's really loosely based the way I, I described it all happening and I think that happens at the end where you, you figure out oh yeah this is how it happened but yeah it, it is based in a little bit of science I guess it has that connection to you know I can mention experimentation with DNA and experimentation with like science with on that on that molecular level so there would be not too much of a, a detour to think that well okay we've got clones um, that are made from this particular stream. If there was, you know, a, a different type of 
change within a DNA? Could a human potentially grow abilities or, or have some sort of effect that happens on them? So that that's kind of how I approached it. I guess the, um, the hero specific or the special abilities thing came more from um, a base in science as much as I could do it. And it's really quite loose. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I like that it is structured loosely just because, I mean, as a reader, I mean, I'm a writer, so I analyze everything. But as a reader, when I'm just reading a book for the pure enjoyment of it, I don't care about that kind of stuff. Like, I don't care about how it comes about. I'm just like, cool, this person has superhero powers. Like, let's go. And so I think that's probably where you started it as a writer. You're like, this would be really cool. Let's have it added in. And so then, yeah, as a writer now, going back and critiquing your own work, you have to be like, okay, now, yeah, okay, wife, I have to do that. I understand. Like, let's make it logical. (laughs) Um, But no, I totally understand throwing in something like that. All right. So yeah, if we talked any more about the book, I I think we would get into that spoilers territory. So we will not talk more about the invisible tether. How about we talk about any upcoming projects that you may have on the horizon? Yeah. So um, I'm currently uh, finished the first draft of um, a duology that I'm going to work on. So it's basically um, how I'm, you know, I guess labeling it is it's like a adult version of the Aurora cycle and Guardians of the Galaxy kind of mashed up into one. So it's all set in space. It's got some humans involved in it, but then a lot of other different species. And it's that sort of, you know, utopia as a dystopia vibe as well. Yeah, and, and lots of different adventure and action elements just the same as you know what happened in um, the invisible tether but then it's uh, got multiple povs it's in a different person it's in third person but i'm still trying to keep it my own voice if that makes sense yeah that makes sense so yeah that that is that's happening at the moment i do want to do a collab with an author but it's not it's not something that we've announced anywhere near it so there's somewhat of an exclusive for you don't say I don't look after you Um, and yeah so it's basically that like the the problem is for me I'm not I'm not just you know pen pen something and and get it out like I want to make sure that I have those in you know those messages throughout and um and that comes with a little bit of extra time and, and care I think and maybe in a different genre later on down the track like I could potentially get things out a little bit quicker but this one I want to just make sure it's right before I get it out. So look, I'm saying like towards the end of this year, but you know, for me, and because we're all in self-publishing, timelines are flexible. <laughs> <laughs> and so now you're writing a duology and the Invisible Tether was a standalone. It, it's a standalone, but there's room where you could like do a spin-off or something like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. have you thought about doing that? I can see, I can see what you're saying. So I think like how, how I wanted to look at it was, I'll get get this out again just to see like can I write or do I suck um and <laughs> I guess like if, if there's decent feedback if there's decent interest then I might revisit it but I do have ideas about a potential spin-off and it doesn't need to be like a, a whole novel it could be right. a novella of, of some little things but again like if we talk too much about it like it'll give too much away <laughs> but yeah there's, there's potential where I don't necessarily need to bring you know, the characters back at their certain age, I could do things a little bit further into the future and see what happens there. Yeah. So, so you've written the standalone, now you're doing a duology. 
what is your writing process or which one do you prefer since you've kind of had your feet in both both areas there so i'm glad you asked like now what is the writing process because before like, it was just you know as i said the writing wilderness um it was untamed um territory <laughs> um and it wasn't great so th this time around um I, I know that writing is something that i want to pursue a little bit more and you know put my head down and, and bum up on it so um, I want to make sure that I try and write in some capacity every day. The The only problem, I guess, um, is because, like, I want to make sure that I'm really being a proactive parent um, and father and I don't want to neglect. I, I don't just want to put her in front of the TV, mm -hmm. my daughter in front of the TV, and then run away to the computer and, and doll away. So, you know, that that part of it limits, limits uh, the available time a little bit, but if she chooses to watch TV at a certain point or if she chooses quiet time or to do something like that, then it enables me to do the same but still spend time with her in, in physical capacity. So these days like, I'm writing on my phone because my laptop's broken, um, <laughs> my screen's broken. So like I'm, I've now got a monitor over here and the laptop's there because it's black. Um, <laughs> so that's <laughs> just basically like I need to get my life in order so I can have a laptop at least because that would be nice but I've been running on the phone and it's it's honestly been um, fine at this point um, with the revisions that I'm doing at the moment I wanted to make sure that I sit in this writing little zone that I've got um, and do it on the computer because then I can you know space things out in the way that I want it and then I can I can be in a proper zone so in that way it might take a little bit of time but then to go back to whether a standalone is where I'm at or a duology is where I'm at, um, I haven't explored enough of the, the duology yet to, to really know. But mm -hmm. I like the idea that um, you can really develop characters um, a little bit more throughout those longer pieces. Um, and I think, you know, if um, not if I had my time again, because it, it still needs to be a standalone, but like the invisible tether to introduce 11 characters, there's some by the end of it where you would have thought the same thing where you're like, okay, that guy's okay. But like actually, you know, maybe know 60% of who they are rather than mm -hmm. if it was in a trilogy, then by the end of that trilogy, you could safely say, and with confidence that, yeah, I got this guy. I think he's still a, you know, <laughs> A horrible person or whatever you have a little bit more <laughs> right. context to be able to call them a, an a-hole or whatever it is you want to call them right mm -hmm. so yeah like I think that's why in this one I'm happy to kind of take a little bit more time with it develop these characters more and it's not going to be as you know I don't have 11 main characters coming in um, this one it's more centered around three but a couple of I'd say two or three sort of i don't know b grade character i don't even know what to call it. you you're a, probably a qualified writer so you probably know um what they're called G give me give me some knowledge here um just like a secondary character there you saying? go yeah okay, yeah that's what i was going for um and that was easy enough i should have gotten i should have gotten that so uh, <laughs> i think there is another word for it but I always just call it my primary versus secondary characters. That's mm -hmm. as far as I go. Yep. <laughs> You're a professional. I take I take you on that. So that that's fine. The word <laughs> is is uh, is gospel. So yeah, there's a couple of other secondary characters who are going to feature prominently throughout in various ways. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, look, 
I am enjoying the exploration or the deeper exploration of being able to do a duology currently. That's important to take the time that you need because I know my trilogy, I've rushed through a lot of it and I don't regret publishing the ones that are already out. I'm working on book three right now. But I think if I had taken more time, like you said, some of those characters could have been more fully developed. Luckily, I have book three to complete the development process. So I'm still working. And so, yeah, standalone versus series. It's a very different type of writing process, I guess you could say. And can I just butt in there? How cool is that, that you're, I guess, like for your listeners, for the writers out there, you're able to say, look, there may have been little, um, you know, not mistake mistakes is the wrong word but like ways that I could have done things better mm-hmm. but because I've got the opportunity to to add a third book to the series like that's how I'm going to be able to bring everything and tie everything in and tie everything together so it just shows that like you know once you put a book out it doesn't mean that you know what's out there is what's out there there's there's other ways that you can kind of um, develop yourself as a writer and then also develop the story to kind of bring everything into a Uh, a neater conclusion so that's really important for everyone to understand too yes exactly very well said yeah bringing it all all together cohesively at the end I love it all right well this wouldn't be read it with whiskey without talking a little bit about whiskey so JP what is your favorite whiskey to drink yeah so I think I really enjoy going back uh supporting local um, distillery. So I had a chance to visit a di- various different states in Australia. So one in particular um, is Tasmania that's known a little bit more for whiskey. So I wanted to try and you know get into it via supporting local. So um, there's there's a whole different bunch of them but um, the one that I found was really nice and accessible was McKendry's and that has not only whiskey but it also has gin um, and so they specialize in different areas. So I, I would probably take it a little bit better in a cocktail of some form. So before I was just drinking it with lemonade, a squeeze of lime. Sometimes you can put some mint in there if you're feeling, um, you know, fancy. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it, it just got me through the evening. So I, I definitely enjoyed it. Awesome. Oh, I love it. I love getting recommendations, especially from places where I am not located, because then I look forward to something in the future when I can find it somewhere. You know what I mean? All right. So tell our listeners where they can find you and where they can find your book and follow along with your journey moving forward. Wonderful. Um, Yeah. So I'm on um, most of the socials, Um, Instagram, I'm probably most involved with at JP McDonald writes. And same kind of thing on TikTok. Um, but yeah, mainly Instagram is where you can find me. Um, my book, Amazon, and then it's it's distributed wide. So you can basically find it anywhere where you get good books. Um, and then if you want some signed copy action, there's some stuff on, on my website that you can get. Um, and for your US listeners, um, you, if you want a signed one, uh, I can maybe my my father lives in the US and he's coming over for a couple of months so I can pack a couple in his um in his suitcase and you can get it domestic shipped from the US so it might be cheaper for y'all um if you <laughs> if you want to go down that route awesome I love it thinking of your listeners today <laughs> so great okay. well JP this has been so much fun thank you so much for being on the show thank you very much
and I had so much fun talking about the Invisible Tether, but I am even more excited to see the projects that he is going to be bringing out in the very near future. You do not want to miss any of his amazing updates. So as usual, go in those show notes and follow him at all of his social media handles and website. I know he would love your support. And after we were done with the actual recorded interview, me and JP stayed on for a little bit and talked about some other things that he couldn't tell the public quite yet. And let me tell you, you do not want to miss these things that are coming, okay? That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to give out any secrets, but definitely stay tuned. I'm hoping to bring him back in the near future to talk about these secrets once they are not so secret anymore. And of course, before I head out, I want to let you know what's coming up next time on Read It With Whiskey. You guys, this is going to be a really exciting episode. If you are already a subscriber to the newsletter, then you know that the next episode coming out on April 26th is actually about my final book in the Shockwave series. So Transient Pulse came out in March 2021, Oscillation Rising followed that in September, and it has been a long haul trying to get the third and final book in this trilogy to be complete. So Static Equilibrium is on its way. So next time here on Read It With Whiskey, we're going to be going into those nitty gritty details. You do not want to miss it. I'll talk to you then. You've been listening to an episode of Read It With Whiskey. I am your host, Laura Gentinen, and I just wanted to personally hop in and say thank you so much for listening. Your support of the podcast means so much to me, and I would really appreciate it if you could go onto your favorite podcast platform and rate and review the show. By rating the show, you're going to help more people find the podcast so then we can grow. Once you review the show, share it on your social media, share your favorite episode with your friends, and come back next time to hear more from self-published authors. I'll talk to you soon.